Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 106. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have Thomas Cronin. Tom is the owner of Carson Gracie Temecula in California and an active competitor in the Masters Division. Earlier this year, he won the 2020 IBJJF European Championship. He talked about his choice of changing careers to work full-time with jiu-jitsu. He also spoke about his struggles with balancing life and work and the lessons he learned from his previous business that applied to run his academy. My takeaway from the interview came when he said, if you're not growing, you're receding, which inspired me to title this episode the same. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I expand on this topic. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mat. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Thomas Cronin. Tom is a black belt under Carson Gracie Jr., and he has won the IBJJF Master Worlds in every belt. He's a currently instructor at the Carson Gracie Temecula, and his goal is to add to the legacy of Carson Gracie team to empower individuals from the inside out with the benefits offered through Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Professor. Thank you very much for having me. Yes, sir. How is the situation now in California recording this year on we're in July of 2020. So we have the quarantine happening. So for people mm -hmm. who are listening, maybe years and years after the, what is happening right now. So how's the situation for you? Uh, for myself, uh, it's actually very fortunate. Uh, we are able to remain open. We've actually been open for a couple of months. Um, I kind of, uh, as a business owner and um, a mentor, left it up to my students to decide uh, if they wanted to train or not. And uh, I do testing regularly for myself. And um, I believe in temperature checks and just being sanitary, you know, is always a good thing. So um, at first it was a little, uh, you know, we, we scaled back a lot and not a lot of people were training, but I think within a month, uh, a lot of people were really missing jujitsu, so they started coming back. And um, yeah, uh, I leave it up to the people, and I, I just uh, make sure that if people are sick, they don't come to train. And if anybody were to test positive, and um, you know, we all know people that are either going to get it or they know somebody who's going to get it. You know, know. Um, take precautions. Crazy times. Crazy. It is times. crazy. Yeah. So tell me how not only uh, jiu-jitsu show up in your life, but any other martial arts that you practiced before? How did you run into jiu-jitsu? How did it go? When I was seven years old, I did like two years of uh, karate, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I mean, that was it. And after that, um, all I did was skateboard a lot. And uh, I like to build like carpentry things and, and work on cars and I didn't start jiu-jitsu until I was 33 years old wow. you know but uh, been life-changing for me yeah right on and and how did you run into jiu-jitsu or jiu-jitsu ran into you uh, uh, at a car wash <laughs> really at a car wash with my daughter in Temecula and um, I went in to pay for everything and there was some business cards uh, on the counter and I had a a picture of my professor, um, Master Carlson Jr., and that said, "Come learn with the best." And I was like, "Cool." 
and uh, I know that Gracie name UFC just like everyone you know and um, my my first experience with him was different than my previous experiences in that I went to all the local schools with my daughter who was 13 at the time I want to say and um, you know we went in and the place would smell like a gym or people would be you know a little aggressive you know or um, you know it just wasn't like the the, you're familiar with the jujitsu vibe, of course, like that, that open, uh, you know, welcoming experience. So um, I, I almost gave up on the idea of, of doing this activity. I wanted to do it with my daughter. And then, um, the, so I found this business card and, and I, I called. It's like, yeah, come on down. Uh, our very first experience was super positive and we never stopped. <laughs> that was 12 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, oh, man. Really good. It's really cool. I, few years ago, maybe 2014 or 15, I, I wrote a book called Launching Your BJJ Competition Tur uh, Journey After 30, which is, oh. it's perfect for you when you, when you started training, you know what I mean? So it's cool for you to relate with people who come over 30, because the reason why I wrote a book too is because so many people, they, maybe they haven't done any activity in so long, or maybe they play sports in high school, and then we talk about the possibility of maybe competition and they're over 30 like ah oh, no i mean i'm too old it was like wait, 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 wait. And, and like that too old for what you know so i think it's cool that you can share this experience with them when new students mm -hmm. come in and they feel like oh i'm too old you're like dude i started and only at this age so i think that helps a lot i think um jujitsu means a lot of different things to different people right and um I think, especially with the masters, I'll, I'll, I'm definitely interested in your book. I'll, I'll order some and distribute them. But um, we have a lot of people that maybe they did some wrestling in high school. Mm -hmm. They didn't. They didn't go on to do college wrestling. Even the ones that do college wrestling, after that, their options are to coach or maybe become an MMA fighter to continue enjoying the lifestyle, right? Um, and then they rediscover all all their uh, old loves for grappling in jujitsu uh, and they're 30 something it's just wonderful and their eyes light up like a little kid again and um they make those little adjustments some take longer than others <laughs> uh but uh yeah it's like they they get to use all the wrestling i just tell them hey no suplexes at first <laughs> <laughs> so what did you say like some of the main changes that you saw in yourself like in the first like two one to two years and i'm saying like not improvement on a mat but i'm saying like the whole holistic Life. approach of jujitsu yeah so I, I tell you i am uh, a workaholic but not anything like i used to be uh i owned a construction company we used to build cell phone towers very dangerous industry very you know uh, demanding you you wake up in one state and you finish your work in another state and you don't know when you're going to go home and there's cranes and stuff flying through the air. Um, so that was a very stressful uh, job for me. Um, I did it very well. Um, when I discovered jujitsu, uh, I had just uh, gotten a divorce. Uh, it was a pretty, pretty nasty divorce. And uh, I had custody of my, my daughter. So we moved out to California to be near some of her family. And um, it was just the right time for us to try jujitsu together. She was a little bit shy and introverted. Uh, this made her interact with people a little bit. It gave me an outlet to, um, you know, de-stress, decompress. Um, and I had a, like a, a rapid experience with jujitsu. I, I started training, I started training a lot, like, non-stop every day as much as I could sometimes multiple times a day um, I started competing two months after I started training and uh, I never I've never in my life had a problem with loss or losing I've never had a problem with facing fear and facing failure and overcoming it and uh, eventually you get to the top of the hill you know and jujitsu for me uh, aside from the problems life throws at us Jiu-Jitsu was the best example of going into an environment, facing adversity, getting smashed, having to collect and center yourself, overcoming it, and then, um, you know, uh, ending up better for, for uh, the exchange. So I just uh, really loved it. 
I think most people love it or hate it at first. Um, I was one of the guys that loved it. I got choked out by a, a little guy, maybe 50 pounds lighter than me, my first class. And I, I got off the mat with a smile and said, I just, I want to learn all this stuff. Right. So uh, long story short, I eventually ended up leaving my, my um, career uh, to pursue jujitsu. Um, I never had the intention of uh, owning a school. Or, or helping to lead a team or build a team. It was, it was selfish. It was for myself and my, my daughter. All those other things that um, started changing in my life, you know, uh, being humbled on a daily basis, being able to exert myself and exercise on, on a physical uh, level daily, um, it just, just started to subconsciously uh, make me better at everything. It made me a better boss, it made me a better father, uh, made me treat people better. And then, uh, as I'm sure you probably talk about a lot, a lot of people think they can defend themselves with no training. It's a naive confidence, right? I, I used to think, oh, if I'm in shape. I, I used to be bigger and, and stronger. And uh, I would think, oh, if I'm in a scuffle in a parking lot, I could take care of myself. And then after my first class of training, I realized how much I don't know. And, um, after you do learn these things, you don't even want to fight. You don't, you know, I'll be the last guy to fight in the room. Like I'll, I'll walk away from something and just let a guy's ego take care of itself. And, and just, yeah, man, you'll probably beat me up. No worries. You know, um, have a nice day. But I know if somebody were to force me into a situation where I had to take care of myself, I'm a lot better off knowing it than, than not knowing it, you know? So, um, I'm a lot calmer these days. I, I'm a lot happier. Um, and you know, it, it takes a lot to irritate me. <laughs> I'm always pretty positive in everything. And that, that's a, a big difference than, um, the lifestyle I used to live. I used to just be always a go-getter, always aggressive with everything, always, uh, an alpha mentality, grind, 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 get up, repeat, do it again, you know, and, and it's, it'll wear on you, it'll wear on your soul. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a much more chill lifestyle that I live right now. And I'm, I'm happy every day, even, even when unfortunate things happen in my daily life, I'm so much better to mentally handle those things, you know, because of how I live in jujitsu, you know, um, and you know, uh, th this is for everybody, uh, everybody that decides to adopt this lifestyle for training, it, it helps them with stress and anxiety and, and uh, rationalization of life's obstacles, you know, so very much the same for me. Yeah, I tell my students a lot that there's so much that happens here that you don't see because you just come to class. Absolutely. Right? And then you leave. There's several other classes. Usually by Thursday, I've taught almost 20 classes, right? And then you meet all these other people and you kind of learn of their experiences, something that happened in their life or maybe they're, they're going through something. Um, then there's the, the running of the business. Uh, then there's your own competition and your own, your own uh, progression as a student. Uh, there's so many facets to jujitsu, all these other things I, I learned as a bonus, aside from just coming to class and being a student, you know? So it really has grown and it took me by surprise uh, how much you can fall in love with jujitsu. I, I originally started thinking, yeah, I want to do MMA. And, you know, I, I, for many years wanted to do MMA. I still coach and train MMA, but my, my direction on what I really want, uh, my horizon changed, you know, uh, it's, it's heading. Um, I fell in love with jujitsu. Mm. What moment did you feel that spark that you realized, you know what, I think, uh, might be up to something here. I might be want to go full time with this. How long did it take? Let's let's put this way: when the idea start cooking, I'm not saying like right away, like I'm gonna do this, but like slowly when the idea kicked in. Well, I was always okay with working a job and training jujitsu in my life. From the moment I started, I said I, I want to do this for the rest of my life. What? caused me to change my lifestyle into doing jujitsu as a career, as a, as a means to make a living was we had hired some 
uh, you know, consecutively a few people that unfortunately didn't work out. You know, they had a different work ethic and some unfavorable uh, leadership practices <laughs> as a as a white belt. I had to fire black belts, <laughs> and uh, so because I was helping Master Carlson run the school, you know, and, and uh, uh, we did it together. So uh, I, in a way, that was positive because I got to see as a student, as a new student, like, wow, I never want to be like that guy. You know, I, I never want to do those things. I got to see how to do it wrong. Okay. So I became protective of the environment, not because I had a vested interest in it, but because it's, your mat is your home, you know, and, and your teammates become your family. So for their sake, I started taking on more of a, a leadership role. And as I got better in jujitsu, I always made it a point to um, surround us, to bring in instructors that were better than me, that knew more than me to help. You know, I have uh, a great friend, his name is Andre Hubes. When I was a purple belt, uh, he was a, a great black belt, great, great teacher. Doesn't really care for competitions, which was perfect in a way because in reality, a small amount of people start jujitsu because tournaments exist, right? Um, so he offered a lot of philosophy on like how to uh, adopt jujitsu in your daily life. And the lessons that we learn on the mat can be applied in your daily life. So it was great to have that kind of mentorship. So whenever I started to become better, I, I wanna say maybe purple brown belt, I started saying, okay, I'm all in, I'm gonna, I'm going to own the school. I'm going to learn, get as, as good as I can before I die. <laughs> and I, I want to like help the students a lot. Um, one of the, the light bulbs that went off for me was when I had to fire one of the previous uh, black belts. He, he hated teaching kids. And um, I became like one of the people helping to coach the kids and they get really uh, attached to the professor, of course. So when he went, of course, I didn't say anything to people. Like, I believe in staying on the high road. He went on social media and tried to say all kinds of bad things about me and about my master. Um, and I figured anybody that wanted to know what happened, like the parents, they would come and talk to me and I would, I would give them the reasons and they were fine with it. Um, but seeing the, the kids get really sad about, mm. about losing their teacher, um, when we hired new people, I said, you know what, I'm going to teach the kids because. I'm not going anywhere and they won't have to go through that with me again. Teaching the kids made me really confident in teaching. You know, I used to have a special needs class that was very challenging, but we did it and it was amazing. And we saw people, we saw kids change from being very deep on the spectrum socially and their confidence levels. So, um, that, that was a light bulb for me, you know, uh, deciding to stick up for the kids was a great day okay uh, with as lifestyle owned but also as a career too because it's very fulfilling gratifying yeah so. so what are some of the the main things that you're able to bring from your previous work that you start to implement knowledges that you're that you got from from the, your previous experience a lot uh i always had a saying as a as a foreman that you know, when I would hire somebody, I would never ask them to do something I wasn't willing to do myself. <laughs> mm. And that was reassuring to a new hire, but then they saw the links that I would go to to get the job done, right? <laughs> I would do things that nobody else would do. <laughs> so um, it's not uncommon for me. Uh, my students will tell you, uh, I'll pull all-nighters here at the academy a lot, uh, doing the remodeling, the upgrades, the the improvements to the facility. Um, I live by the life uh, lesson that if you don't get it done, it's not going to get done, you know? So I don't rely on other people to do things for me. A lot of people help and it's very appreciated, but I know at the end of the day, if I need something to get done, I have to suck it up and be the one to do it. So the work ethic that I had from, from living in that um, it's common for me to pull all-nighters here, uh, improving the facility in the gym. Um, and I know that 
there's a lot of things. If, if I don't get them done, they don't get done. You know, other people aren't going to do them for me. So I'm not afraid of hard work at all. I, I, I think um, getting things done is one of the greatest feelings in the world, being productive and having, you know, results to, to show your hard work and effort. That's um, never failed me in life. I've always said, if you, if you're a hard worker, great things will happen. Right on. Now, when how was your mindset back when you decided you know what when you said that you're a brown belt and you and you realize i'm going all in what is the difference in the your mindset back then and now hmm. towards the business towards the business uh, i would say i was very enthusiastic back then and open-minded knowing that life was going to experience was going to be the best teacher for me at that point and I learned a lot of lessons. I would say my mindset is not so much different now. I'm just more confident about the things that used to be unknown factors to me. Like, can I do this? Definitely. Um, how many students do I need to have to support and justify the existence of the academy? Well, I already know that now. How do I handle uh, people that Maybe they have big egos as students or so I think just dealing with the adversity and personalities, I've learned how to um, be empathetic, but also communicative and their development, their progression. And, and uh, you know, because everybody can do it, but everybody does it differently. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, I think my mindset is the same. I just I have more of the knowledge now that I knew I didn't have back then. Back then, I was more of a competitor who knew how to teach a class, but not necessarily um, knowing how other people felt in the class. <laughs> so, mm, got yeah. it. And what did you say some of the biggest struggles that you have faced since the, be well, the beginning when you started to really run the business mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. how did you overcome it? Uh, doing too much was one of them. You know, uh, I, I never had a problem with, like I say, hard work. But I think a little OCD is a good thing when you own a business. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I would let myself get overexhausted. I would extend myself too much. I would try to help every single person in the moment. Um, and I wouldn't set boundaries and limits for my time. Okay. And that, that's, that's been a big lesson. Uh, now I, I kind of uh, uh, have found a good balance where I can be there for the students run the business responsibly uh, and, and continue to grow it while enjoying life at the same time. You know, I, I went through, well, I'm kind of have the same issue with um, workaholic. That's what I saw my mom doing. So I'm like, well, I guess that's what we do. You know, I, 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 I couldn't, I didn't understand any other way. Now, what was the, sort of a wake-up call for you to start paying more attention to the balance of your life? Well, I started to feel some of that stress come back mm. that, that caught me in my previous career. Uh, I started, I, I, I've never not wanted to be on the mat. I, I can honestly say that. I, I know it's not that way for everybody, uh, but I always want to, um, I want to be here. I always want to train even if my body's beat up and I'm injured or something, I still want to train and teach, you know, and I have, but I started, um, like after class, I would find myself just here in, in my office for hours, pondering about things that would happen or something going on with the student that would start to stress me out. Um, and I would start to obsess about it. And I, you know, I talked to a couple of friends about it, like, man, you're thinking about it too much. You can't, change the world by yourself and you're not going to fix this issue today I'm like you're right i got to teach in the morning i'm going to let this go i'm going to go home and just uh, you know going through that process of, of learning how to deal with problems appropriately uh, has been a great experience for me some things you can't fix some things you can't change but i believe in always trying and doing my best and if i did my best i can sleep at night yeah. And I, that's what we tell our students too, right? Like hey, you go, um, you go on a tournament, for example, you did your best. There's no guarantee you win, but you should be able to sleep at night because you had some good battles and 
uh, you're getting better. It's part of the process, right? This is the same in life, right? There's so many metaphors between jujitsu and life. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. Yeah, now, so. when you have conversations with entrepreneurs, not only jujitsu school owners, I'm saying just business owners in, in general, and we do have a lot of people who are listening. We do have a lot of entrepreneurs and we do have people who are in transition that they're not quite happy what they're doing right now. They wish they're doing something else, not necessarily, again, make a living with jujitsu, but doing something that they, they want to. When you talk with uh, entrepreneurs, what's some of the, the key things that you like to share with them about like, hey, this is what it worked for me, you know, especially for someone that is going into business. What are, what are some of the things that stand out to you? Man, okay, so I have a lot of entrepreneurs that train here. Um, and they have a lot of, I think most entrepreneurs share a couple of qualities in their personality that, that are very helpful in their pursuit of, of their goals. Um, one of them is work ethic. Yep. Uh, one of them is being open-minded and they only seem to care about getting it done as efficiently as possible, right? And you, you can't necessarily do that if you're trying to be a dictator all the time. You know, if you're not open to good ideas or things that work, then uh, you're going to limit your ceiling on how much you can grow, right? So uh, a lot of people want to open jujitsu academies. It's kind of natural, I think. I have a lot of students that could probably run a really good academy right now, but because we've gone out to lunch and talked about what all is involved, the things that they don't see, they change their mind often and just enjoy what we have here as a student and they can continue to grow. And I tell them that's very wise. If Absolutely. you, yeah, because as soon as you start focusing on everyone, you're not focusing on yourself as much. Right. And uh, I tell them, look, look, I'll help you. If your dream is to open a school and this has already happened a couple of times, if you want a school, I'll help you start uh, assuming more of a leadership role in our academy. Start learning to teach. You're also going to have to learn how to run the business, how to market it, and how to, you know, this quarantine was a perfect example of how some people just were not prepared. Uh, and it's not fair to think they should be prepared for months of shutdown, right? But uh, some academies flourished, some closed permanently right? I'm fortunately one of the ones that has been able to actually grow. Um, but uh, a lot of it's, it, you can't go in just with talent and, and loving the idea of being a professor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I tell myself every day, I'm never going to learn everything. Um, and I need to share what I do learn. And I, I just try to remain a student, you know, uh, in my journey because life is full of lessons every day. So um, you're gonna, things you're gonna need, um, a crazy work ethic, empathy. You're going to have to be understanding of uh, the people on your mat, okay? You're gonna have to remain open-minded to the fact that a white, a white belt might catch you someday and embrace that. Don't <laughs> be adverse to that treat people the way you would want to be treated and try to be there for them, but take care of yourself at the same time. You know, um, most entrepreneurs that I know who are successful in other fields that train jujitsu, um, like uh, I have one guy, he, he's part of uh, uh, an internet security firm, super demanding. He's traveling all over the world uh, and he comes and trains. That's his break from all of that. To, to say, yay, I want to want to smile because someone's trying to choke me. <laughs> mm -hmm. So he's successful because he's so addicted to being productive in his environment. Now he, he comes back, he, he trains jujitsu, he goes and rides horses and stuff like that. But he's, he's 24 seven about his uh, profession. And, uh, you know, it, you kind of have to be like that if you want to run a successful, prosperous jujitsu academy too. Yeah, I. One thing that you mentioned about having the opportunity, I've done that too, of 
having conversations with students that possibly want to get into jujitsu and sometimes they'll be like hey if that's your dream i go i just don't want to run your parade but <laughs> uh <laughs> run your parade because it's a lot tougher than it looks right it so, is. but one thing that i always like to mention there's uh, i've mentioned plenty of times in podcasts it's people understanding like hey is this is entrepreneurship for me because it's not for everyone and there's nothing right. wrong with that you know, yeah. so one of the best concepts that I've learned from Gary Vaynerchuk for people who are not familiar with him, just check him out mm -hmm. at Gary V. He got some really interesting concepts. And He's one awesome. of my, yeah, one of my favorite ones, well, top three that, that I learned from him is that there are people with entrepreneurial tendencies and there are people with entrepreneurial DNA. And it's very mm. different. And I said, like, man, I love that because it said, like, so many people let's let's take let's talk about jujitsu say like man that would that would be awesome to have an academy i have my own time i can do jujitsu anytime i want and yeah that's cool but sometimes when they start and they see like oh wow okay this is a lot more complicated than i thought and this is not just jujitsu any other entre entrepreneurship venture so Sometimes I'm like, ah, it's not working. You know what? I'm going to get back to what I was doing before. That's okay. But the way he puts it is like, a lot of people have the tendency of like, that would be awesome if I have this. But uh -huh. if it doesn't work, it's okay. I'll do something else. And the <laughs> DNA, it's kind of like, it is what it is, man. I'm going to open a business. If I break, I'm going to open another business. Yeah. If I break, I'm going to start another business. They always going to be involved with creating and in and having that DNA. And well, since you come from a different business, I'll assume you have the DNA. <laughs> I would think that's a fair assessment. Uh, and I don't, I, I'm sure it sounds a little maybe um, cocky, but I don't expect other people to be as crazy about things as I am, you know, as passionate as I am. It's not, it's not fair to think you should put that on other people, right? So that's a very interesting thing. I'm going to have to check that out. I, I The DNA versus the tendencies, I, I think that has to be true. Mm -hmm. That being said, I have some people that they want a small academy and they just want to teach jujitsu and they just want 20 students and maybe they're doing very well in their professional life and they just, they want that for themselves. I think that's awesome too. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, exactly. That's the expectations that each one have, you know, mm -hmm. if they want to have kind of like a club that can, you know, I can work out anytime I want, I can share some of my knowledge and I don't want to expand and that's okay. I mean, and it's, you know, but if you want to reach a different level, that's a different conversation too. So wow. it comes to all the expectations, the amount of hours you're going to have to put towards mm -hmm. the place. And it comes to, there's a point too when people are doing both, you know, doing kind of the jujitsu gig. There's that breaking point, like, do I go right now? Do I go all in? Is that what I want? Because yeah, everything's gonna change and the stress is gonna be, yeah, it's a the responsibility gets, you know, gets intense. But I think when it's in the DNA that I mean, I love that. I love that building process. That you know, I. Man, I, I don't know any anything else than just like trying to create things. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'd I'd say that I do have my my DNA. I think since I was a kid, I was trying to like I don't know, just do little business and sell things here and there. You know, I don't know. It's just uh, was, since you're a kid, I was you know? uh, eight years old pushing uh, a lawnmower for two acres in the hot Louisiana sun. <laughs> for fifty dollars, and I thought I was rich. <laughs> <laughs> I believe. So what did you say it's one habit that you practice daily that helps you in besides, let's say, jujitsu, but something that you practice daily that helps you in your professional life, in your personal life? What do you think? Mm. I think I found a good, happy balance and medium where I'm very aware of the reality of what's going on, where it could go, but how much I want to do before it becomes uh, past the point of diminishing returns. I could expand further. I have a pretty sizable academy. Um, this is over 5,000 square feet. I could actually get a bigger spot. I don't want to because I, I believe in doing things well. 
And if you can't do them well and do them efficiently, you've overextended yourself. You shouldn't do that, right? I could probably open a second location. For now, I don't really want to um, because I would want to be there all the time and I would want to grow it just like this one. Uh, but using our students and our resources and our team kind of like can kill two birds with one stone. I can, I can help my brown belt achieve his life dream and help him expand our team and move right down the street and become part of our association. And I don't have to be there all the time. That's his school. You know, um, I, I have a, a, a friend, his, his name is Gene. His moniker on Instagram is BJJ Moses. He actually has a huge following. Uh, he has an academy 10 minutes down the road from me on our team. And, you know, there were a lot of people like, oh, you're crazy. You're letting your student open right down the street. And I said, oh, he, he communicated with me early on that uh, it was his dream to teach his grandkids and to have a school someday. And uh, so as a brown belt, I helped him get that location. And I, I didn't do it as a self-serving thing for me. For I, I don't even take money from him. Okay, I, I could but I don't. And the way I look at it is, okay, um, he's black belt now. I got him up to uh, an efficient rank. He runs a good academy. He teaches very well. I go there. He comes here. He was just here today. And when we show up for competitions, he brings a lot of reinforcements. I probably could have years ago opened that facility myself mm -hmm. and split myself between the two but I waited and it just worked out organically. It worked out perfectly where uh, we accomplished the same thing by growing our team um, and bringing jujitsu to the masses. And he's over that and he gets to enjoy it. And we're still here and, and we're training together often. And, um, you know, so, I, you know, I think having the balance of what you want and is it worth it? And is it, is it feasible to do so is something I practice every day. I always think about, you know, um, opening another location. I, I may soon actually, but not, not in like a, a crazy uh, capacity, like something small, another location, just not locally in town here. But, you know, I, I think I, I need to always look at uh, what am I doing in my daily life? Is it, is it going up? Is it being productive? Is it, is it going to a better place? And um, if not, I need to change some things. So I'm always looking for better ways to do things, better ways to be more efficient and not get in that zone where uh, you are a slave to your business, right? Your, your business works for you, not the other way around. And so like just a good example, um, I taught a bunch of classes last week. Uh, I got a lot of work done. I'm increasing our schedule we're adding classes all the classes are packed but i still managed to go friday morning to cabo with my girlfriend and then we stayed there for three days and came back sunday night and um that wasn't really a vacation that was a weekend so i i, I was very productive in my work week uh, i trained a lot myself and i still got to go sit on the beach for a few days and enjoy a paradise and then come back and i didn't I didn't miss class over it. I, I still was here. So uh, maybe the old version of myself wouldn't have gone on the weekend. It would have just worked seven days instead of, you know, four. Um, but now I, I know how to do both and I'm still saving money. I'm still growing the academy and I'm enjoying my personal life. So I, I think focusing on that for myself at this stage in, in my life and my career has, has uh, I've gotten pretty decent at it. And I'm um, still, still learning those, still got to improve. But um, yeah, I think if you're not growing, you're receding. You know, we can't uh, live a stagnant life. We're either going up or we're going back or down. You know, um, I'm still on the up. <laughs> so it's, it's going pretty good daily, I think. Yeah. Did you have any mentors along the way during business around the time people who you picked up some advice or gave you like some heads up, you know, along the journey that could be even 
before you get into the jujitsu business? Could it be, you know, while working with construction, but anyone? That uh, like, you? like yourself, you said your mother was a mm -hmm. real worker. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, my mother raised my sister and I, um, single mom in, in Louisiana, uh, kind of taught herself English and uh, worked so much. My, my dad was a hard worker too. He was around a lot. Uh, but they, they separated when I was three, you know, so I'd spend time with both of them, but, um, uh, I was always kind of like, uh, on a regular basis in my, in my, my weekly life, there wasn't really a father figure around. So I, I occupied myself with things of interest, you know, whether it be comic books or work or building forts or whatever, at a very young age, I had a lot of energy. So my mom recognized this and uh she would uh bring over i ended up calling the guy my uncle uh doug but he wasn't really my uncle he just kind of filled that role and he used to do carpentry and he used to build houses so when i was seven eight years old they put a circular saw in my hands <laughs> taught me how to use it not cut my fingers off and a hammer and nails and um during summer breaks uh or after school i was with that guy working for years and by the time i was before I was even in high school, I already knew how to hook up electrical outlets and frame, do framework for houses and wow. get on top of the roof and, and do some roofing, you know, and I was like 14. Um, and that was awesome for me. I, that was like the perfect outlet for me to visualize nothing being there. And because of something you did, something now exists like a house, right? Nice. So it broadened my, my perspective and made me feel like you can do anything in life you want. You know, you just have to work hard. So that was a big one. I carried that over into um, residential construction, then commercial construction, then uh, telecommunications work. My father uh, was in that industry and he got me introduced to a company that used to do that. And I think on the job training is priceless you know you can there's nothing wrong with college education it's awesome but yeah again go past the point of diminishing returns with that like if you gave me the choice between staying in school only doing school or getting in the work industry i would choose the work industry uh, you are still learning while you're working you know and you're earning an income right so most of my uh most of my experiences in construction I met a lot of people that were mentors to me and I wanted to emulate the things that made them successful. And uh, I think that's where I learned a lot of leadership skills was uh, the, the successful foremen are the ones that know how to appeal to their crew to get them to do the work, you know? So um, I was always uh, inspired by those guys. And then uh, when I ventured into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I, man, I, I couldn't have asked for a better professor, a better master. Uh, uh, Carlson Jr. is, uh, he's not a guy that acts like he's royalty, but he's kind of regarded like that in many circles, right? If uh, you see him, you would never know this guy in flip-flops eating an acai bowl could twist you into a pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> his, uh, his demeanor is one of uh, hugs and laughter, you know? but he knows what he's doing. And, and uh, so just being around him, he made me want to come to class. He made me want to uh, be on the mat and enjoy this activity, right? Um, and uh, I, the first line on my um, mirrors on the mat is an instructor's creed. The first line is to lead by example, right? So I always, I think about this daily, like be the guy that you would want teaching you you know, and uh, be understanding, uh, be proactive, uh, create the kind of school you would want as a student, uh, create the kind of environment that is welcoming and helpful. Uh, and I, I always think about this. Usually I'm like the last one to leave. Sometimes I'll go sit on the mat by myself and just play some music and turn off all the lights and just zone out and think about things like how, how the school's doing, how the students are doing, what's going on. And um, fortunately, everything is positive and it, it generally is positive here. And uh, we're, we're very lucky. I've had a lot of students come and tell me that they passed up on career opportunities and promotions that would have taken them out of state. They passed mm. up on just to stay here because of what the academy provides for their family. 
you know, and um, that's like terribly uh, uh, makes me feel obligated to keep going. You know, mm-hmm. to keep... Now, let me ask you this. If you have a chance to go back and have a conversation with a younger Tom when he started the jujitsu journey <laughs> and you're just going to give him a little tip, not that you want anything different in your journey, of course, but mm-hmm. after all these years training, you can go there and give him some heads up. You know, what would you tell them? Man, I would have, uh, I would have went through like some injuries differently. Mm. You know, uh, my first month of training, I got cracked ribs <laughs> because uh, another white belt uh, squeezed his knees around my ribs in the clothes guard too hard. You know, when I was turning sideways, he, I just squeezed mm. and popped the floater ribs, right? Um, I came back after like two weeks. And, and uh, that was a mistake. It ended up putting me out another month because I re-injured myself worse. Um, and I, I wanted to do too much too fast. And instead of looking at the long game and saying, look, man, you're going to be doing this for a long time. Don't rush the little things. You know, that's just a good example. All right. And, and because I rushed, it ended up costing me later. Um, so that repeatedly happened. Those types of things were... I would be too anxious, too eager to get good, too eager to improve really quickly. It's, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Like you, you have the drive to improve, but then you let it keep you up at night because you're, we're never as good as we want to be, you know? Um, there's always something left that's unfinished. Uh, so not stressing about that so much. Um, not stressing about you know, some of the drama I had to experience early, uh, I, you know, I had faith, uh, personally, I, I, I believe in God. I, you know, I believe in a, a higher power of guidance and, and, uh, I'm confident in that regardless of what anyone else believes that's fine. But for me, staying the course, staying the path, even when I was unsure of what the outcome would be having faith, uh, it, it served me very well. And, in spite of some things that I, w- I was encountering at the time. Uh, common sense might tell me to quit jujitsu altogether or, or go train somewhere else, but because, you know, I had faith in what was happening and, and, and good people and staying on the high road, I stayed the course and look what happened. Like now it's, it's an amazing environment for us. So uh, if I had to do things differently, I, I would have probably said, don't be so stubborn physically. Okay. Um, and, maybe take care of yourself a little better early, you know, and, and if you're in it for the long haul, uh, there's no rush, you know, be patient, you know, but I felt like, Hey, I'm 33. I don't have that much time left. Uh, all these <laughs> other when they were much younger, right. But in the end, it didn't matter. It didn't matter because we're all just doing the same thing in the end. You know, I, uh, yeah, man, I, I relate. I started training when I was, uh, from 14 to 15 years old. So uh-huh. always being kind of you know light and skinny and next thing you're learning how how to invert and do this and that and now that I'm 46 my lower back pays for it. <laughs> I I feel it. You know, lower back is like my big one. I think about all the times that I'm getting smashed upside down and I'm insisting on being upside down and my lower back doesn't like that much. Do you have the habit of reading or audiobooks anything like that I, windshield time is great for those moments for me if i'm driving um to las vegas to compete or uh even my girlfriend lives in san diego an hour away if i'm driving down i'll listen to youtubes i'll listen to audiobooks stuff like that it's great um what are um, what do you like to listen to or get information on well, right now i've never been yeah a little of everything i haven't ever in my life really been political and it's not really uh, an enjoyable practice to learn yeah. about mm-hmm. politics but with all the craziness going on in the world right now i've started to just you know keep an open mind and listen to a little of that listen to a little of this and man uh more than ever i feel like the media is obviously biased mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. So the, i haven't had a I haven't had cable TV in my house for 20 years because I remember I used to turn it on and see nothing but negativity. And I wanted to remove this from my life. So I kind of always took this stance um, 
in, in my life that if it's negative, I don't want it. And if, if it's uh, biased or political, I don't want it, right? But because of some of these things going on, uh, I've started to just listen to people that speak with common sense. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I could see their point of view and I consider it, but I still don't get that deep into it. I'm, I'm more about self-improvement and living um, a good life and treating people fairly and, uh, you know, trying to enjoy life as much as possible. So self-improvement, you know, a big thing. We always have things we're working on. We're all works in progress. I want to be the best person I can be. Um, and so I, I work on my flaws. I work on being patient. I work on, you know, things I can do better, you know, so self-help, self-improvement. Um, I think counseling is great. If you find the right counselor, uh, any form of therapy is great. Yeah. And there's so many interests that I have in life. So many places I want to go. My bucket list is huge. I'm never going to fill it. Um, but I, I have made it a point these years. We're the same age, actually. I, I made it a point to try to uh, start working on that bucket list a little more. And nice. it's been, but hey, you know what? To, to address your earlier question, if I could travel back in time and tell myself from 10 years ago anything, it would have been that stem cells work. <laughs> they really do. I'm a huge advocate for regenerative therapy. Uh, I've had so many injuries. The ones I didn't get treated and I kind of went the conventional route of doctor, insurance, referral, you know, PT, but they, they healed terribly. The ones where I just sucked it up and paid for, for treatment they healed miraculously, like uh, so fast and so completely. And I just, I just went through another procedure. I had my arm was kind of walked in the mid range. I, I couldn't even touch my face and I couldn't fully extend it. And um, they heal me better and faster than I could ever do naturally. So um, without detriment, you know, there's a lot of medical practices, like people get, um, you know, cortisone shots and stuff to, help with the pain but that doesn't actually heal you it helps you not feel the injury yeah, yeah. so then you start doing things you shouldn't be doing that makes the injury worse right there's things like that um i'm more interested in healing the injury so you can get back to normal activity and so i i went through a lot of injuries before i discovered that after discovering that i went through plenty more injuries but they all healed much better and faster and right. i um some people complain about the price. Uh, it's not as expensive as some would think. But I mean, aside from your children or your spouse, uh, what better thing is there that you could spend your money on than your health? You know, that's your body. We only have one body. So, um, and uh, if my body's healthy, I get to do what I love, jujitsu. So um, I'm happy to spend money. <laughs> For sure. Do you have any any of a personal development book that you listen that maybe made an impact on you? Is there anything that you maybe recommend anything for people to listen to around personal development? Well, I, I know like you have your series for uh, VJJ Mets coach, you know, mm -hmm. and I referred quite a few of my students to it, mm -hmm. especially the ones that have a problem with the losing aspect of what we do. <laughs> right it's been good for them. Um, you know, uh, myself, I'm going to read like Paulo Coelho, <laughs> or, okay. gonna, you know, these types of things. Um, uh, I already know I'm not perfect and I already know that there's a lot I want to work on myself. So anything that helps me get there, even if I see on Instagram, uh, a guy can do a perfect handstand that's inspiring. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to try that. <laughs> so, um, Maybe it's in my personality, but I have a tendency to have many projects going on at the same time, and I don't always complete them. <laughs> so, you do have the the entrepreneurial DNA. <laughs> <laughs> I, you too. <laughs> so, it's just um, like like oh, idea. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. I think I want to do it. And then next exactly. thing, I like to say that sometimes we'll have our plate is full and say like, hey, can you give me a bigger plate? Because I got to put more stuff in it. <laughs> That's a good analogy. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So uh, getting close to the end of the interview, and now let me ask you this. What are you currently excited about? What's going on? I know that is a difficult time for everyone. However, you said you've been blessed to be in a pretty good position. So what are you excited about? 
I'm excited that even during quarantine, my jujitsu got better. Good. And uh, I know it got better because I got to focus on myself because the classes weren't so large. I have like a, a group of people that trained the whole time. And a lot of those people were the ones that, I mean, let's be real. Some people just get better faster than others. A lot of those people were the ones that were having a hard time keeping up with people that started at the same time as them. Right? So they got to put in extra time. I made it a point to help them. And uh, when these people finally came out of you know isolation and they had their quarantine cardio, <laughs> mm. the other people that weren't as good as them that kept training started to really give them a hard time and, and do better and catch them and stuff. And just seeing them get so excited about their jujitsu improving, it rubs off on you. You know, I, I get excited for them. I'm excited about competitions coming back in some fashion. You know, uh, we have like some, there's super fights going on. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, like no spectator stuff going on. Like I know, um, uh, you know, if you guys throw anything, we're going to be there. But, uh, you know, some, some of that, I, of course, I think people don't appreciate things as much as they should until it's taken away. And then when it comes back, they really appreciate it, at least yeah. for a while. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. And I believe in turning everything into a positive. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, things aren't normal in the world of jiu-jitsu, but there's an upside to that. Now, I, instead of going to a competition every weekend, I can jump on a plane and go to Cabo instead. Or I can clean out my garage, or I can I can put the engine in my car. You know, the, the, there's always a positive. Just it's a mindset you just have to have. Um, so I, I'm excited. I probably like you. When I hear people say I'm bored, this doesn't really process with me. <laughs> I, I I don't know what it's like to be bored in life. Uh, I know what it's like to be tired, but I've always wanted to do something and if, if i'm relaxing that's intentional i've, I've chosen to yeah. give my today to relax uh but i've never said eh, i'm bored i don't know what to do man there's so much to do there's so I much work. <laughs> so for sure man tom thank you so much man yes, thanks sir. so much for the for the chat and hopefully you can see each other soon in tournaments, events. I have no idea when in Arizona we're going to have another event, but hopefully so, soon. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh, just one thing, sir, to, to clarify, I, I have uh, just accolades aside. I don't really, they don't really matter to me that much anymore. Um, uh, I haven't won the IBJJF Masters Worlds in the Gi uh, at every belt. I've, I've won like Nogi Worlds. I've won, uh, some people would say, oh, the one at White Belt doesn't count, you know, but um, I've been fortunate enough, having started at 33, mm -hmm. to uh, at each belt level I've had to win like a, a premier event at that. So, but most like my titles, they're master's titles, mm -hmm. you know, just to clarify. We all know like the adult stuff is a different game. <laughs> you know, yeah, I've won right. a lot of adult too. I, I actually competed. Um, as a black belt in the adult divisions and, and, you know, I won a lot of stuff, uh, you know, but now who wants to keep up with those kids? It's demanding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no kidding. And, uh, and you want, you went to Europe this year, right? You went sure. to the, yeah, you won the Europeans. Uh-huh. And, uh, so I get to be one of the few people that says they competed for IBJJF in, in, uh, you know, 2020. <laughs> that <laughs> so. is very true, you know, but yeah, yeah. man, in, Master's division every year is getting bigger and more and more competitive. Um, yes. So definitely no joke. And you know what, too? It's different. Like uh, uh, usually young, naive kids, they'll, they'll say, oh, it's just master's, right? Like, well, when you're master's, it's yeah. not going to be easier because it's master's, right? So uh, plus I, I started late. So everybody that I fought, was almost already a black belt before I even started training. True. Yeah. So experience and they, they may not want to go do competitions all year, but they'll come out for that one and they're plenty good for like three, four rounds and they're super dangerous. So like, uh, man, it's so hard. And like you said, every year, man, everybody that doesn't quit jujitsu becomes masters, right? Mm -hmm. True. The Bushes, the Lovatos, the Galvaos, 
the Garcias, they're master's division. Don't think for a second you can sleep on those guys. They're amazing. And uh, Oh, yeah. And you have, you see, they're like masters too who are on podium of the adult worlds. Yes. You know? Yeah. You remember like a few years ago, uh, Salo and Janji Hibero uh, went and competed in, in uh, uh, the adult divisions and they, they cleaned house and they, they submitted everybody. <laughs> yeah, they were already... You know, yeah, so, and and it's interesting, like you said. You know, we see a guy like Saul or someone just like, "Hey, I just got my black belt. Yay! I train <laughs> three, four times a week, tops, <laughs> and then my first match is against Saul or something like that." You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 intense. So, man, uh, you look at the picture of podiums and all the worlds, the master worlds. Pretty cool to see the the level. It's like wow. Always just see like top four guys are like hmm. Good job, yep. like solid, solid guys. You know, very impressive. <laughs> yeah, but very yeah, good. but congratulations, man, and everything you yeah. accomplished. You starting, like you said, late, and ch you chose to challenge yourself and travel and keep going to tournaments, and and it's a great inspiration because I love inspiring people to compete, especially the masters crowd. I think that's the crowd that I relate a little more, and. Mm -hmm. It's just inspired them to challenge themselves just to use jujitsu, the tournaments, as a tool, you know, because yes. the growth is so incredible. You know what I mean? It, you, you said exactly what I tell my students all the time. However old you are, whatever your reasons for doing this are, challenge yourself because that is how you grow. And um, you either gain, you either win or you gain a great lesson or a great memory. It's all positive. Right. And I don't say there's no losing. Losing is very real. It sucks. I hate it. Yeah. But I like winning more than I hate losing. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm willing to do it a hundred times to experience victory one time. So, but that's challenging, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I'll say it. <laughs> yeah. Tom, thank you so much, but sure. if you need anything, let me know. And everyone take care, stay safe out there. Us. Us. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt Thomas Cronin. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Tom is the owner of Carson Gracie Temecula in California and an active competitor in the Black Belt Masters Division. He talked about his choice of changing careers to work full-time with Jiu-Jitsu, he also spoke about his struggles with balancing life and work and the lessons he learned from his previous business that applied to run his academy. My takeaway from the interview was when he said, if you're not growing, you are receding, which inspired me to title this episode the same. I was researching videos on YouTube with this topic and every video was titled, if you're not growing, you're dying. That goes for all aspects of your lives. I'm going to share this quick clip from Inc. Magazine featuring Marcus Limonis, CEO of Camping World, using the same concept. He explains why you always need to be willing to change and improve your product or systems and yourself. Check it out. Entrepreneurs who have authored a product or a process that isn't working today have to make the bold step of reinventing themselves. I talk about it all the time, how over the course of my life, whether it was at 12 years old or 18 years old or 25 years old, or even today, I'm constantly working to reinvent myself. I'm not any different than a package on a shelf. People have to feel that it's relevant. They have to see the warning labels. They have to understand the contents. It has to be appealing. It has to provide value to people. And so when an entrepreneur has a product or a process that they've authored and they're not willing to change it, then they're going to end up like Circuit City or Montgomery Ward or Sears or Fiat or whatever these brands are that don't exist anymore, right? Every single company in this country today, if they're not evolving, they're dying. And I don't know why an entrepreneur would think that they would be exempt from that process. I'm not interested in their ego. I'm not interested in their pride. I'm not interested in their feelings. I'm interested in their business being successful. And so I think not only does their business have to do it, but, but we as entrepreneurs have to do it as well. It's common sense that we all need to become better than we were yesterday. However, it's not always common practice. What do I mean? 
as the world evolves, your business, and especially you as a human being, need to change and grow. A few years ago, I released a video in Portuguese titled, Using Your Mind Like a Smartphone. In a nutshell, I make the analogy of apps and beliefs. The same way you add good apps on your phone that will serve you, you can add new perceptions and beliefs in your mind. If at any point the app doesn't serve you anymore, you can delete the app. The same happens with beliefs in life. I guarantee you that if you look not too far, a few years back, you can reflect on previous beliefs and say, I can't believe I had that opinion or whatever. A simple example that resonated with people in Brazil is regarding politicians. By the way, it's mandatory to vote in Brazil. Let's say you voted for a specific person because you believed and trust his or her intentions. Then a couple of years later, this person is involved in a big corruption scandal. You stop and reflect, what the hell? According to my values and morals, I don't agree what he or she did. I don't support this person anymore, and I hope he pays for what he did. You had an experience, you analyze and change the belief or the app. Tony Robbins says something very interesting. It's not that it takes a long time to change. It takes time to have the clarity to change. Because when you have the clarity, it's like a light switch. I have an iPhone, so I assume that every so often, Apple reevaluates their phones, what apps are working, what apps are not working. Suddenly, you have a new version, a new iPhone. Think about the difference between iPhone 1 and iPhone 10. Core functions shouldn't change as well, like your values and morals, like integrity, trust, and so forth. You should come in all versions. Now, when you consistently work on yourself with positive and rational information, reevaluating beliefs, accepting new challenges in your life, regardless of the outcome, you keep moving forward and learning from your experience, you are on your way to launch an updated version of yourself. Some people treat their brains like an old dial-up phone. It's not right or wrong, it's an option. They believe, eh, the phone gets the job done. There's no need to evolve. This is a classic example of if you're not growing, you are receding or dying inside. It's very tough to become the best version of yourself with this mindset. Are smartphones perfect? No, and it will never be. The same thing for you. The new version of yourself is not going to be perfect either. As the legendary football coach Vince Lombardi said, perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, but the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.